but then it amounts to what is it that I am eventually after. It's the process. It slows you down. So if you ask how is the experience is slowing down, making you think before you click the shutter button, that experience it does come with the film, which I enjoy. And the time you wait, you're keeping your fingers crossed because you have no clue how <laughs> the negative is going to come out. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to Photo Country with Raji. You're listening to episode number 30. It's been a while since the last episode. A lot has happened this past few weeks. I've been hard at work refreshing my website. Now both my photography, folio and my workshops all have one common home. So do visit photocountry.co. Check out my new flower photographs and also have a look at the latest workshops that I run every month photo walks that I do around Auckland. So sign up for the newsletter and be informed and join me on one of the photo walks that I'll be doing in the coming summer months. I hope you've checked out my podcast on Substack, which is photocountry.substack.com. Do consider subscribing to the podcast if you have not done already. In this episode, we talk to Mr. Sundar Vembu from Los Angeles, California. He's an accomplished film photographer. He's known for his images of the vast landscapes of the national parks of the U.S., the forgotten city of Machu Picchu, and such wonderful natural sights of the world. So without further ado, let's get into the conversation. Thanks, Mr. Vembu, for coming on this podcast. It's been a while since I've been following you and... I've always wanted to invite you on the podcast for more than a year, I think. Yeah, yeah. Last two years, I was busy with the project working 24-7. Oh, you might okay. have noticed I even didn't take much photos for last year. And the project got completed the end of last year, and I think I have some time to breathe now. <laughs> so are you yeah. in the technology side of things? Yes, yeah. I'm a principal data engineer in LA, so... Last year, we were right. busy migrating some projects and got completed. Yeah. I've not seen any of your color work, but on your Zenfolio, you scroll down the portfolio. Mm-hmm. It gradually, the type of photographs also changes. you <laughs> 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 earlier. And then a lot of buildings, a lot of cities. Yeah, it's good you caught that pattern. So... I was using a digital camera. It's a Fujifilm X-T2, which I still use on a very rare occasion that I bought it from my friend, co-worker. And I was also following the Los Angeles Grammars, that Instagram handle for people who take photos in downtown or in and around Los Angeles. So I get a lot of inspiration from those photos. So I used to go to those places, use my digital camera and take photos. So that's why you see a lot of cityscapes in those things. And slowly I started developing a liking for film photography. Then I liked this film from the company Ilford Photo. I started using them. They primarily develop or produce black and white films. And that's the reason you see a lot of black and white photographies. I use a medium format film camera, the RB67 Pro SD, and also I use the Yashica 124G. And primarily I started using the black and white film from them. Occasionally I do use a Kodak Portra, but 
mostly it is black and white. The reason for that being I like that film and I started using it. It's not that I won't be doing any color or anything. That's my primary liking. And that's how you see the change from digital color slowly moving towards film, black and white. I might be going back and forth here and there. There's no rule that I switch to film and black and white. So that's right. a history on that one. What was the thing that caught your fancy about film? Is it the way the image renders on that particular film? It is the process or where you really have to slow down before you click the shutter button. In a right. digital camera, you just click, you look at it, yeah, it doesn't didn't come out well. You click it, what do you call it? 10 frames per second or whatever frames per second, you just fire and forget and pray something comes out of it. In film, it slows down, it makes you think before you take any shots. Some of my friends and also some talented photographers, they started using film and probably that pulled me into that aspect as well. You know what? Yeah, these people are doing film. Let me give it a try, see how it is. And unexpectedly, I started to develop a liking for it. Does it have a character to it compared to other films? Yeah, it does seem to have some kind of the, the grain, which I like from that film. And also the clarity that it brings out, the latitude that it brings out. I like that with the Ilford film. Yeah, because it almost gives a infrared kind of a feel to me. That's the impression I get. It does. And also some of the photos that you might have seen, I do use that Ilford. They produce this brand SFX 200, which is like a near infrared film. I do have an infrared filter that I put in front of the lens to get that effect once in a while. Yeah, it's especially during the fall colors, the infrared photography, it looks really good. The other thing also that I noticed is the kind of compositions that you go for has also changed from the earlier days. I see a lot of, what shall I call it, loneliness kind of a thing in your photography. Yeah, yeah. It's much easier for me to go to places or you may call it like a ghost town where there aren't that many people out there and you get your own time to take the photo. If I were to take my medium format camera right in downtown, it would attract attention <laughs> so that's one, one of the reasons why i yeah go quiet in the mountains and take the photos from there and there are some famous photographers like you might have known of kyle mcdougall and all those they did a series on us route 66 i kind of yeah. got inspiration from that to take photos like that and it's just much safer <laughs> to just go out there <laughs> no one is out there bothering you take the photos yeah yeah, really love those kind of composition because you have the isolated subject and it's in the mm -hmm. middle of <laughs> nowhere, nowhere, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Uh, and I also see a lot of the U.S. national parks in your imagery. How did that come about? I live closer to some of the major U.S. national parks, one being Death Valley, the other one being Yosemite. And my coworker, my friend and I, we go out there sometimes and take photos. You might also notice that even in my digital film, I follow the same pattern. I have a love for nature. Probably that's the reason you see these national parks coming up in my photography. So how's your process? Do you consciously have something in your mind that I want to capture these images? You have like a visual in your mind 
When I go to these national parks or even any other locations, most of the time I have looked on Google, did some scouting, see what kind of photos I want to take, be it a waterfall, then I will have that image beforehand what I want to take of it. Or I might have seen an isolated building with the backdrop of the Sierra Mountains. So I've done some significant research before I go there. And there might be some photos which I haven't even thought about it before going there. I look at something and, hey, I like this stream flowing through and I like the tree standing in front of it. And that's a process I follow. It's pretty much a combination of research and sometimes unexpectedly the photo that I have not prepared for turns out to be my favorite one. You just go there and you see something. Hey, I like this barn sitting out there and I want to take a picture of that. And yeah, that's how it works out. And what about processing your film? Do you do Mm -hmm. it on your own or do you like scan them? The processing, the way I do it is, yeah, it's scanning. So once I go there, take the film, maybe a few rolls of that 120 film. We have a camera store nearby that still process the film i go just drop it I, they give me the negatives that i get then i have a epson scanner at home once i scan it i get the digital negative the only reason i use photoshop is to remove the dust from the negatives <laughs> so you have a lot of <laughs> dust that comes from it spend about 20 to 30 minutes scanning for the dust from one negative one image and then once that is done i export it So now I have a cleaner version of that digitized negative. And then I bring it to Lightroom and then I adjust the images to my liking. The post-processing is reasonably minimal. I don't completely alter the image or anything. I look at the dehazing and highlights, shadows, our level, the images, make sure it is the horizon is aligned, the standard stuff that most of the photographers do. Yeah, I think that's it. And then I export it and put it onto my Zenfolio and then I'm done with it. Yeah, it's a pretty simple, nothing magical going on. So how's the experience working with medium format as compared to digital? How's that experience been? Let me say, if you want the instant gratification, don't go to film. You won't get it. (laughs) (laughs) It'll take two weeks for the thing to come to you. So that's one thing. So I miss that in film compared to digital. But then it amounts to what is it that I am eventually after? It's the process. It slows you down. So if you ask how is the experience slowing down, making you think before you click the shutter button, that experience does come with the film, which I enjoy. And the time you wait, you're keeping your fingers crossed because you have no clue how (laughs) the negative is going to come out. You travel six hours somewhere, you pay for the gas, you spend time in a hotel, you take all these shots, you come home, you drop it off at a camera store, and you have no idea whether the images are going to come good or not. There are times where it didn't come out for me. And I keep wondering what happened and why it didn't come out. So it makes you a better photographer. That's my opinion and people can differ and I'm fine with it. Yeah, it's just my experience. So when you actually go there, you're in the moment looking at your subject, all the weather gods line up, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you actually make sure that the actual image comes out? How does the camera help? The camera, it may not help me much. Most of the time when things go wrong, it's me. It's not the camera. 
So, <laughs> so what I do is the process. Okay, I take my camera out. I see a scene, and it's kind of cloudy. I like it. So, assuming it is perfect, the first thing what I do is I look at the bright spots. I look at the dark spots, meaning the dark sections of the scene that I'm looking for. And I tend to overexpose by one or two stops. You take the max and min of the highlights and the shadows. You take a average, and then if it says okay, I think you can take a shot at one second. I'm just making an example. I try to go for two seconds just to be safe because film does forgive the one that I'm using, black and white especially. Take it at two seconds, and by that time, I hope when I click the shutter button and everything goes well. I know. I think I have gotten a good image. So that's my first confirmation that makes me think. Yeah, I think I got a good photo out of it. Because the camera that I use, the RB67 Pro SD. If something is wrong, let's say you haven't pulled the dark slide out, or the lens is not completely attached, or something, it won't let you fire the shutter. It helps. Unlike the other cameras, like the large format, it'll just let you pull the trigger with the dark slide in, and you have that's it. You are done. Your ten dollar goes waste. <laughs> so I do have some <laughs> helping mechanisms. And that's about it. As simple as that. <laughs> oh, that's really interesting to note. You said you also follow Ansel Adams. His greatest contribution was the zone system. Do you follow that in your photography? I don't think I'm there yet. I do know of the zone system. So I use something called as the average method. If you look at the Pentax light meter manual, they'll say there are different ways you can meter a scene. The one I follow is look at the bright spots, look at the dark spots, get an average, and you kind of get a feeling. You follow the Sunny 16 rule, so you kind of get an idea whether you are in the right shutter speed or not. So that's how I go, and over a time. Kind of gotten a confidence where I'm. Okay, you think I might have gotten a decent exposure, and that's how I go with it. Right. So you visited a number of nature spots over the years. I mean, right from Machu Picchu to Yosemite, you've mm-hmm. been there. What's been your most favorite spot to actually photograph? The favorite one would be the Rainbow Mountain, which is by Cusco. It's in that Machu Picchu. Right. In, it, it's not near that, but it is in that section. The next one is. Patagonia, where I went on a seven-day hike. I took my Fuji XT2 camera, not a film camera. That was my favorite spot, and looking at the glaciers and everything. So that would be one of my favorite. I could have taken a film camera, but I don't think the hiking group would have had patience for me to meter the scene and take a photo. <laughs> it it would be a pain. So how long does it actually take for you to actually the whole? The entire process of setting up the camera, metering it, taking the shot. So for a scene, it may take setting up the shutter and everything. Let me see. Maybe around ten minutes before I hit the shutter button. But once I hit it, the next shot, if I'm taking in that similar place, I may not be spending that much time, assuming the light hasn't changed that much. So it's going to be in the same shutter speed. I just take right. a meter, but I know it falls in the same ballpark, and I go with it. Does it matter if what time of the day you take the shot? Yes, it does matter. I unlike the digital with the black and white that I'm focusing on, I try to take during the time of the day where the sun is shining 
where I don't have to go for a longer shutter speed. So black and white, and like maybe maximum two seconds, I stop it at there. So I don't, I don't have to get up at 5 a.m. and chase the sunlight and look for the first light to take the photo. I don't have to do that. I have the luxury of getting up a bit late. Okay, it's not 5 a.m. It is 7.30 a.m. That's fine. I can live with it. Are all your photographs long exposures or is it based on the average method? It's based on the average method. I mean, if it is a waterfall or if I want that smooth, especially with the streams or waterfall, I go for a long exposure. I tend to stay with a faster shutter speed just that I can be done with it and introduces less camera shake. So it depends on scene to scene. I don't go with the mind that I need to do something long or whatever the scene asks for, unless it is downtown Los Angeles where I just click and run. <laughs> Most of them, I just <laughs> go with the scene, whatever it asks for, I work accordingly. So what next, Mr. Vembu, in terms of your photography, are you planning to explore more locations or are you planning to explore in terms of compositions what next i'm pretty open i don't have any specific goal in mind i might go to the same places that i've been before look for as you said yeah look for different compositions which i might have missed in my previous photos that's one and also go to some new places there is one place that i wanted to visit it's lassen national it's a volcanic national park it's northern part of California bordering Nevada. I thought of going last month. Something came up and I couldn't go. That's on my mind. It only has a three or four months window. After that, the roads, they close it for the snow and everything. That's on my mind. That's the only new spot that I can think of right now. And other than that, I might revisit the Death Valley National Park. There are tons of places to go take photos there. The Joshua Tree National Park, which is by my home, it's about 100 miles from here, Yosemite. And the US 395, that's a highway that takes through the Bishop and all those beautiful mountains up there. Not I might, most likely I will go there and take some more places that I haven't seen. But even if it happens to be the same place, maybe my experience has taught me something where I can take a better composition of the same scene that I have visited previously. And even the nature changes around that. Things that you see in fall may not be the same. That doesn't look the same you see in the summer or winter season. It's clear that you shoot for your own creative satisfaction, right? What do you feel about having photography as a hobby? It's Mostly stress reliever because working in IT, you, you pretty much just spend a lot of time in front of the computer and going out, taking these photos. It gives you a sense of satisfaction. Being out in the nature is good for health. I'm sure anyone would agree with it. So that's one of the thing. And mostly the process that I go through, the happiness that it brings. Yeah, pretty much a mental stress reliever. Closing off the conversation, if someone wants to get into film photography, I mean, mm -hmm. like me, I use a Sony mirrorless. The one thing that I'm really apprehensive is mm -hmm. the cost of getting into film photography. Unlike digital, every frame uh -huh. counts. <laughs> so that's mm -hmm. always in the back of my mind, right? Uh, so what will be your advice or tips mm -hmm. for someone who wants to try out film photography? The film photography... I don't think, in fact, there is a comparison that a great photographer did, which is expensive, digital versus he was doing a large format photography. Turns out in the long run, large format photography 
came out to be slightly cheaper than digital because uh, every three or four years a digital photographer would be selling that camera buying another new gear but anyways that aside i would recommend if you don't mind scanning 24 or 36 exposure go with the regular full frame camera be it a canon or pentax it doesn't matter if not the next step i would strongly suggest is go with something a simple medium format camera it could be the yashica even the pentax 67 is a good camera so you search on ebay you get these things for a pretty decent one 600 us dollars you should be able to get that and regarding the film in itself, they are not that expensive. I'd say one roll of the black and white 120, the medium format film that I buy, it's a 200 speed or a 400 speed. You get it for about eight to nine US dollars. So you get about 10 exposures. If you are using something like the Mamiya RB67 Pro SD and with the Yashica 124, it's a six by six. It's a square format. You get about... 12 exposures out of it and how much it costs me for processing i think it's us dollars six plus some taxes i mean it's pretty negligible say seven dollars tops it off and it's not bad the only thing you may want to invest in a sun scanner even if you're not looking for the top of the line epson ones which are 1200 or 1300 dollars if you're looking for a consumer kind of a grade which is what i use it's 150 to 200 dollars and that's a one-time investment and you're done with it so you may find this initial thing by 600 dollars for the camera i'm just putting a good limit even the yashica you get it for 400 so let's say you want a top of the line yashica 600 and then you're spending $200 for the scanner, 800 and you're done. The only thing that happens each time you're taking a photo is spending $10 on the negative and $6 on the process, say $20. And you'll be very conscious of clicking. Each time you <laughs> click a mistake you make, you are paying for it. <laughs> so it'll, it's not that expensive. So you take about two rolls in a month. So let's say 20 rolls in a year. 200, let's say scanning, processing and everything. Let's say 500. So $500 is the amount you're spending in one year for your hobby. And I'm sure you have the Adobe, the cloud version of Photoshop and the Lightroom. It's not that expensive at all. I think the key takeaway is that it slows you down and makes you think about what you're actually shooting. I think that's the biggest takeaway. And I think as digital photographers, I personally try to slow my process down like i have a film in my digital camera and just shoot 10 or 12 exposures so yeah. that makes me actually think so mm -hmm. it's not in the quantity but in in the process and how you do it so i think that's the biggest takeaway as far as film goes that's right yeah so thanks a lot sir for sparing your time it's been wonderful talking to you just before we go away what's your instagram handle and how can people reach you yeah my instagram handle is sundar bimbo that's where they can reach me and anyone can drop in a message and i'll be happy to respond to whoever has any questions on it and really thank you for having me on this podcast my pleasure sir thanks a lot for coming on it Thank you, Mr. Sundar Vembu, for your time. I learned a lot about slowing down and enjoying the process of photography. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did bringing this to you. 
If you think there is another awesome photographer out there that I should be talking to, then please email me on rajiv at photocountry.co. I will put that email in the show notes. As always, share, like and subscribe to my Substack channel, photocountry.substack.com. I hope to meet you on the next episode with another interesting conversation on photography. Till then, stay safe and keep clicking. This is Rajiv signing off.